podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. to the five-year plan podcast pod 300 we've made it we've made it it. 300 podcasts 300 how does that feel kevin it feels one better than 299 (laughs) without a doubt no it feels great who would have thought all those years ago when we were being held hostage in your here we go every time (laughs) how many how many years has that been is that about nine years? About 11 years. 11 years? Yeah. I think I've been involved about nine years. You guys yeah, have yeah. been, yeah, eight or nine years. Yeah, it was, it was flourishing. It was it was up, upwards of 30 or 40 people listened to it a week <laughs> when we first yeah. joined. But it's it, what is amazing is to think back to how, where the club was yes. when we first started doing the pod and, yeah. and where we are now. We've had some some dark moments. We have had some dark moments. Well, and in fact, yeah. today we've got a very special guest yeah. and it's probably perfect with that because he's yeah. been through a lot of moments of Palace, including possibly our darkest. It is, of course, yeah. Sean Derry. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Sean Derry. Beautiful. We've got Sean Derry now. We have. So uh, part three of the pod will be an extensive interview with Sean where he delves into all sorts of moments and things uh, surrounding his Palace career. Before we do that, we're going to talk about the Norwich result, obviously, in part one. Mm-hmm. Part two, we've got the Athletic as per, and then part four, we're going to preview West Ham away. Before we do any of that, we've got some ratings and reviews on iTunes. Oh, hey. Have we? Well, after all, I had to beg for them last week. The most uh, we've embarrassing had, thing I've ever... Well, it worked because we've had our most ever reviews oh, really? in a week. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to read a couple of them out to you. Um, Eagle 313131 <laughs> says, I just love it. It makes me feel better about Palace, even when we're terrible. Oh. And that's oh, Rob that from nice. Queensland. Um, Depeche from Toad. Pink, from Queensland. Depeche Toad. I think Queensland. Australia, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm not. Well, I, I, I wasn't... Asking where Queensland was, I was just expressing surprise that we got a listener from. Oh, we got quite a few. I know, but but the fact that they take the time to to review us. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Depeche Toad says uh, (laughs) he's called it Dougie Freeman's Pod of Choice. (laughs) Honest, erudite, insightful, and that's just Jesse. No. no, seriously, that's just Jesse. Great bunch, great pod. Here's to the next three hundred, and then James in Greenwich says it's pretty good. Thanks, mate. The best Palace pod out there towers over the competition like Sorloth on the school bus. <laughs> so anyway, if you enjoy the pod, please leave us a five-star review and rating on iTunes because it genuinely helps other people find the pod and we will read the best reviews out every week. Uh, shout out to one of our patrons this week. You ready? Yep. Yeah. William J. Britton. I'm oh, William J. Britton. William J. Britton. What a name. Yeah. Good name. Patriotic. Uh, and you can join our patron at patreon.com forward slash FYP. Patriotic. Patroni, yeah. love that. Yeah, nice. I, like that. I wonder what the J stands for. Yeah. I wonder who's James. on the pod this week. Oh, well, Kevin Day. <laughs> Hello. And James Endicott. Hello. Who else do we need? And who are you? 
Well, everyone knows who I am, surely. Jim Daly. He's Daddy Daly. Daddy Daly. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Since Daddy Daly, yeah. congratulations. Thank you very much. Congratulations for anybody who's ever been on this pod, has answered your questions, looked at you in the eyes, thinking he'll never make a father. <laughs> how they wrong were wrong. We were, how wrong we were. And congratulations and love to you, you and your lovely family. And long may your daughter play for Palace for many years to come. I was thinking about, you know how like some dads put money on their kids playing for England? Yeah. I might put money on Maria playing... For the England women's team. Yeah, you should do. I think I might do. I've already done it. Oh, there you go. The way things are changing, I might put money on it playing for the men's team. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, Right, shall we crack on? This is the first time you've been out of the house. This is the first time I've been out of the house since going to Tesco at 4am to get formula (laughs) a couple of days ago. On night two. Night two was particularly stressful. Um, But we're doing better now. They're expensive little things, aren't they? The babies or the formula? Babies. <laughs> they are. <laughs> right. Uh, so, uh, Palace's latest result, of course, a 2-0 win at home over Norwich, which yes. leads us ninth in the table. As we, as you pointed out, we're unbeaten since you became a dad. Unbeaten since I became a dad <laughs> as well. So We are unbeaten at home this season. And well. unbeaten at home this season. And James, in particular, this result. So, I watched it at home, obviously, because I've not been to a Palace game yet since Maria was born. Um, I watched it at home on the stream. It, it wasn't a vintage Palace performance. It was not, wasn't the best. But... We did the job and we got the result. And in a way, should we actually be encouraged by the fact that we can get results despite not necessarily yes. being brilliant? I think so, yeah, because I think it's uh, there was echoes of the Wolves game, of course. Hmm. Um, as the second half went on and on and on, I just thought everybody, everybody around was just going, it's obvious it's going to happen. Yeah. It's just obvious. But I just think the way... I think, you know, without pointing out individuals, I just... I looked at the way Wilf performed, especially in that second half, and just the... Uh, what he 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 didn't want that to happen again. Yeah, and I thought Cahill was incredible the way he was marshalling the defence and just the joy, the joy on the players' faces when we got that second goal because it was right in front of me where they um yeah. where they celebrated. You knew how much that meant to them, and I just thought something's happened in the last week or two yeah. where they have just got together and thought, come on, what the heck are we doing here? What is going on? It's straight. I think we've had. Probably two of the antsiest pods we've ever had in 300 this season, after Sheffield United and after Wolves, even though that was a draw. Two very angry, quite miserable pods. And yet, our home record is very good. We've started the Premier League really well. Yep. But it, it, I agree with James, it did feel like... There was t- two things I thought were particularly noticeable, and I know we're going to talk more about this with the Athletic, was the fact that it was a positive substitution. Yes. So I think we all thought when we saw Townsend warming up or Schlupp's coming off. Yeah. Well, I think, and, and, but also it worked. It was effective because it put them on the back foot yeah. for the last 20 minutes rather than us on the back foot. And secondly, and I don't think I ever thought I'd find myself saying this, but I think Kelly and Cahill are our number one centre-back pairing. Oh, that was my next question on the I, list. I think mm. I thought they were both absolutely superb. And there's been a lot of talk about Pookie this season. I know he hasn't scored many away goals. But he had that one shot in the first half. For the most part, we marshalled them very well. And I, I don't think it was... An, I think we, I thought it was a very effective performance, to be perfectly honest. I thought it was honest. very solid. I thought it was more, it was more positive. There was more coherence. I, <coughs> I agree with James. It looks like a, a sort of logjam had been released. They looked Something happier. had happened. They looked happier in their they own did. skin. They, they yeah. More, and with a, with, a, with a striker, we would have probably scored four or five goals. But I, I thought the back four... Were very good. I thought Wardy bounced, but well, to be fair, against Wolves with hindsight, Wardy had a really good game except for that, that last mistake. Yeah. But whatever Cahill's got, and it's it's very interesting because we'll ask Sean Derry about this, I'm sure. But whatever Cahill's got, it's it's a little bit of magic because the two of them together, I, I just think Kelly's just a, 
well, he's always been good. He's always been yeah. reliable, but he looks like a top-class Premier League and defender. the fans were singing Kelly's name uh, so much. Absolutely. Now, so much. Uh, you know, which is long overdue yeah, the in big, my eyes. The big test is, is to come yeah. against Man City at home, obviously. But you can only beat the teams you expected to be. And now that home record is starting to look good. Yeah. Not conceding goals at home. Is it our best run at home since 93? That's yeah, what yeah. I read. Oh, six. really? Yeah, since yeah. 93. Since 93. Our best run at home. And it's, it's six games six unbeaten because it includes two from the end of yeah, last season. Yeah. But also, you, again, you look at... Uh, they were talking about Leicester on Sunday on Sky, quite rightly so, but they were talking about Leicester being yeah. after City and Liverpool, the team that have won, got most points mm. since Brendan Rodgers came in. But in the table, we were just two... So we were fifth. We were the team that got the fifth most points since like February, March. Yeah, our record this year is so clearly good. we're doing something right. But that home form, and as Lucas said afterwards, that it's 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 a virtuous circle because you you turn up at Sellers Park with more confidence, mm. the players. Yeah, and again we get back to that situation where teams will start to become nervous about coming yeah. to Sellers Park where they haven't been for a while for, for a couple of seasons. But so I was really, I was I was as pleased with that. Performance as I was annoyed by the end of the Wolves game. It felt because to they, me like... they obviously weren't going to let it happen again, mm. and Roy obviously decided that sitting back, and I don't know whether it's because Roy was upset by the angry fan last week, or whether he listened to our pod, or whether they talked to the coaching <laughs> staff or whatever. <laughs> Both but of those it, things it, unlikely. But I, it, well, it, they are, but also not as unlikely as in making a positive attacking yeah, substitution. True. Because we all thought, we're all looking at watches like 15 minutes into the second half thinking, oh, we can't have a half an hour of, we can't, you because know, frustratingly, the worst part of our game was after we scored the first goal. Yes. Because we're all going, oh, come on, just for once, let's go on and, and yeah. impose ourselves. And we let them right back in the game. And the last five minutes was was their best by a long shot. And it, we, we, we can't, that can't happen in the second half because they've got quality players up front. Well, it felt to me like we had learned yes, from the Wolves abs- game. Absolutely. I mean, you're right. The second, second half of the first half, they had their best spell. And I was just thinking, just just get to half-time. Yeah. Get to half-time. Yeah, yeah. We can sort of reconsolidate and still be ahead. And we did. And then the second half, again, like the Villa game, was so good and so professional. As it was you professional. Yeah. I think that's it felt like we... Are, yeah. We've talked in this pod so many times in the past about we get the same results, same performances, same things happen, late goals going in, the team sort of losing their heads. And it's nice to see, James, that actually the team, Roy, everyone, sort of learning from these previous indiscretions and as a result, getting the results from it. And, and as fans, really, that's all you can ask for. Well, that's all you can ask for. I think as fans, we appreciate that. I think, you know, the, the mood walking out of the ground on Saturday was I mean obviously it was so much better than the Wolves game which and we hadn't even lost the Wolves game you know it was, yeah, it, it, yeah, was yeah. it was just the manner yeah, yeah, in the yeah. the manner we ended up drawing that game yeah and I think the, the the buoyancy of the fans and that spills over onto the team obviously it does and I think just think the way that people were it's like the re, re, all of a sudden realizing hang on a second we've we're in double figure points and it's not even October it's, absolutely it's not even October yeah, yeah. and we haven't lost at home this season. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden it's like starting to realise uh, there's a realisation coming on. There's something going on here. But these that are all seems, the things that we've asked for. Well, these are all the things we've asked for. But also, when you're there in the moment watching the game or even watching on a stream like yourself, you of course you get frustrated and things are not quite right. But there's obviously so many elements of this team that are just starting to click a little bit. Yeah. And I think Cahill, I know we talk about Cahill on every single pod since this season, that guy's been immense. I mean, absolutely immense. And he's, I was watching him. I watched him 
when from the kickoff, and within twenty seconds, he's shouting at the players. He's shouting at his team. Yeah, yeah. He's telling them what to do. Where he's looking up and down the line the whole time. He's come out, move back, do this, do that. Incredible, incredible. Well, I, I think because well, I don't know one of the tabloids are saying, well, you know, Palace have got difficult games to come, Arsenal. Man City, Chelsea, and so we have. But in previous seasons, we'd be going into those games with three points yeah. rather than 11. Yeah. But I go into those games with a bit of cautious optimism, to be perfectly honest, in terms of... I think Man City and Liverpool are the only two teams you probably need to be scared of yeah. in this league. Those words may come back to bite me on the bum. But I think that what... I thought there was a marked... This might be my imagination, but I thought there was a real change in Wilf's demeanour Oh, without a doubt. Just yeah. his attitude. His shoulders seemed to be a little bit further back. As I said at the beginning of this it, half, you know, it, it was definitely, he's, he, he was, he's, he just seemed more up for it. it absolutely. And not only that, but he didn't, he wasn't sulking when he got no. hurt, when he got fouled. The second penalty when he went, well, I would say I thought was a nailed on mm. penalty. I thought it was nailed on, but Wilf, Wilf in the first three games of the season would have been right in the ref's face. Yeah. Been, and he basically looked at the ref, saw he wasn't getting the penalty, got up. And I mean, the, his movement and his pace for the penalty that we got, the way he beat that defender, the little jink got himself and got the ball across. And his and strength, his strength. Yeah, towards the end of the towards game. Towards the end of the game, there was a little... My my son Travis took a little film, which I Saw did, great. Which I did yeah. to send to you guys, purely just showing yeah. Will's yeah. strength. And just like, and that that to me just epitomised what that whole performance was like well, with him. Also, yeah. his, his strength for the second goal was, yeah. was amazing. Yeah. His pass to Townsend and the fact the way Townsend made himself available was really good. But also Townsend wasn't the only player in the box. Yeah. For me, that was a really important thing yeah. that we had. And we we looked to be on the front foot for far more than we have done this season. So it was a and, and all, we did talk about last week saying Norwich were probably ideal opponents for us because they did do what we hoped yeah. they would do and they did attack. But, but we could have easily lost that game. We could have lost teams and have done. Norwich beat Man City three one three weeks ago. That yeah, was exactly. that wasn't a fluke. Yeah. Which, Norwich, which means we're better than, better well, than Man City. Well, yeah, we know that anyway. We know that anyway. So yeah, so it was um <laughs> it, the, atmosphere, the atmosphere was great. I was, I loved, you know, it, was, it was a great atmosphere. It was great. It was, it was a great day. It was a great result yeah. against a team that you'd hoped to win. And, and it was, yeah, it was lovely. Just really quickly then, before we move on, move on to part two, the penalty we did win, yeah. which was a foul on Macca in the box. In the FYP group, there's been a bit of a back and forth. Jesse doesn't think it was a penalty. He thinks that Macca played for it. Well, Jesse... Rob was very much on the other side of the fence and thinks, well, I think it was a penalty, but just your thoughts on that? Well, I think that Jesse looks too much like Norwich's manager. He's taken, <laughs> he's taken it to heart, is what it is, basically. I can't see how, with all due respect to Jesse, who we all uh, like and love. Oh, of course. That was a, that was a penalty. I thought it's, so. I, I, whether we played for it or not, the, it, the defender he played the ball. The defender put his leg across him. What's there's no. I think he was saying that Macca sort of played for it, but he didn't play I think it was a foul. There's no. There's not a professional footballer in the world that wouldn't have gone down. Is why would he keep his feet? He's got his back to goal. The ball's going away from him. He played the ball. The defender fouled him. It's it was naive defending. Yeah. And MacArthur might have been professional and taken advantage of it, but it was a clear foul in the box. And was it Am- was it Amadou, the guy that we were linked yeah, yeah. with? I think yeah. last summer. Or it was something. a clear foul in the box. I, I, I think. I, I think the second one was just as clear a penalty as well. I think. I wasn't sure about the second. More importantly, it was, a, it was about time we got a penalty because we yeah. had one at all the end this season. And we yeah. thought we'd have loads of VAR, yeah, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> and Luca took it. And VAR checked it, and it's a very yeah. quick check. And yeah. Luca put the penalty away with dispatched some it. aplomb. Aplomb, yeah. Which he only ever used to describe football. To, to, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're going to move on with aplomb uh, to part. Can you do that? You probably can't. Uh, to part two, we're going to describe. <laughs> you just did it. <laughs> I just did it. Uh, we're going to describe uh, an article. We're going to discuss an article from our supporters this season, the Athletic. <laughs> 
Welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast. Pod 300. Hey! Oh, 300. Special. Magic number 300 is the magic number. <laughs> um, part two, of course, is uh, sponsored by The Athletic. Um, you guys love The Athletic? Their sponsorship of the pod this season? Yeah, I love, oh, I love saying I that. I really love week. it. Yeah. These, you oh, actually, I listened back, you, you seem to revel in it, actually. He yeah, loved I'm, it. I'm quite a good actor as well as a comedian. <laughs> no, I did. I really, I, I thought, just for, the, for your benefit, I thought I should try and do it with a... A flourish rather than world weary cynicism. Well, most I people. think you did it with a plum. Um, so <laughs> the Athletic, of course, they've got a world class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of Crystal Palace, a subscription based website and app, and they are completely ad free. No ads, no annoying pop ups, just brilliant articles. Welcome to the home of football writing. And if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you get a 30 day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription, which is just £2.50 a month. Uh, are you ready for this week's article, James? Uh, yeah, go on. So it's called, it's by Matt Wisdom and it's called Hodgson Learns Lessons as Attacking Changes Make Difference Between 1 Point and 3. And it's similar to something you touched on in part one, Kevin. I'm just going to read a little bit from it. It says, tactical tinkering tends not to be common for Roy Hodgson, but it is what proved to be successful for Palace in finding victory over Norwich. Instead of hoping to prevent a late goal whilst holding a slender lead, the attitude was that of taking a slightly more attacking approach in search of a second goal to kill the game would be the best course of action. And it worked. Meyer would do well down the left he came on of course yep. and passed to Wilfred Zaha whose mazy dribble and subsequent pass found Townsend who of course also came on and he nestled the ball into the bottom corner of the Norwich net two minutes into added time to score Palace's second to put the result beyond doubt and we've criticised Roy a lot haven't we James yes, on this podcast for being conservative with a little C as Kevin says yep. and sticking to his guns but that was kind of unroy to do that but it was exactly the right thing and he i think he deserves praise for it he absolutely deserves praise yeah and i think you know he, he deserves praise the fact that we're unbeaten this season yeah. but yeah. i think in terms of that substitution we've spoken about it so much we talk about it on the terraces every single home game everybody come on roy come yeah. on roy now has he been listening to the pod has he been listening to the fans probably not but I think it goes in with something we touched on in the first half, how there's something, something's happened. I think somebody's been talking to people and the way that Wilf was playing, things are happening. And I just think there's some things, somebody said something somewhere. Yeah. I, think, I think maybe they've all got together and said, maybe, somebody's, maybe some of the players have got and said, you know what, maybe some of this, maybe we should be attacking rather than defending. And not that you're going to tell Roy Hodgson what to do, yeah. but I feel as though, and I, what I'd like to see is actually, JD, what I want to see from this is that, that Roy, and I I'm not going to tell Roy to learn the game of football because he knows it better than you or I will ever do. But maybe he will learn from that thing. Well, you know what? That works. That works. So, you know, and I think the the way that the the players walked off that pitch with their chest out, like, come on, yeah. that meant a lot. And I think it was, and I think Roy's got to take all the credit for also, that. Also, I, I wonder because Cahill is probably the since Roy's been our manager, we haven't had a player with the experience of Cahill and the trophies that he's won so I, I wonder if he's got maybe an influence on the on the yeah, training yeah, that's as well true. Yeah, that's true. That's and that he's got enough probably Roy would have enough respect for, for Cahill's achievements yes. to listen to him because there clearly was a defender and not just I think the Mayo one was just as important because that that shocked me more than mm. Townsend to be honest and the fact that you know Roy must have noticed that they were both involved in the goal and Mayer just gives you that when you've got a tiring defence and a tiring midfield he comes on he gives you that little burst of energy even just it's like American football it seems like that's his best his best role in the club but but it's almost like NFL even if he only carries you 10 yards further on even if just pushing them back a little bit rather than giving them the space to push you back it it made a big difference and 
more importantly, the fans responded to it, to it as well. The fans yes. were so pleased with these attacking substitutions that the surprised, roar, that surprised, yeah. But, and the the roar, the atmosphere was knocked up several percent. Which so again, and then the players feed off that. And you, yeah. I, I thought Wilf looked highly delighted when yeah. Townsend. Came. And the fact as well, you know, it wasn't so much that Townsend came on that was a surprise. It's who he came on for was the surprise when we had that game bossed in the centre of midfield. We didn't need three central midfield players at that stage of the game. And Roy recognised that and made a creative change and then made another creative change. And I thought that was I thought that was impressive. And but I, I agree I do agree with James. Without being able to put my finger on what it seemed like Something. there was a, some kind of attitude, emotional change I, I felt. What's also in chess as well, Kev, is that if if they had have managed to equalise and we didn't get that second goal we wouldn't have been so down on this pod because we'd looked at those substitutions going, well, at least yeah. we were trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least we were going yeah, forward. Yeah, yeah, and, the, yeah. and I think the crowd walking out yeah. would not have been as down as they were after the Wolves game. Because yeah, yeah. they you know what? OK, we haven't lost the game. Uh, we should have kept on to that one goal win. But at least we made some substitutions that were forward-thinking and they were positive. Rather yeah, and than I think also back. I think Roy recognised that Norwich probably didn't have the... I mean, you know, for all that Wolves haven't had a brilliant start to the season, you look at some of their players, they've got very dangerous forward players. I think Roy had probably looked at the game and thought, Norwich haven't really got the ammunition to... You know, Cahill looked like he had Pookie sorted out. They had a couple of sort of sorties up front, but nothing too organised. And he he had two decisions. He could have, he could have said, right, I think we could sit this one out for a 1-0 quite easily. But he looked at it and said, they've got a makeshift defence, they've got their third choice goalkeeper yeah, oh yeah let's let's ask them questions and that's what you'd expect us to do yeah. really from the start of a game against teams like Norwich and the approach will be different for Man City of course it will it showed you know, well, you know yeah. Kev it showed experience uh, yes, it, showed, it, it, it showed Premier League experience it, it, which I think what we were lacking in the it, Wolves it, game absolutely but this is the thing like, I think Roy is absolutely right to be criticised for games where in-game decisions don't work yeah. and tactics don't or work or when he doesn't and, try them when or he doesn't when try he keeps it, it as it is but I still subscribe to the theory and even despite you know bad runs and form that Roy knows best of course he does he's so experienced yeah. and what the substitutions on Saturday showed is that it's different approaches to different games so that approach obviously wouldn't work away at Man City you know we were 3-2 up at Man City yeah, last cool. season he wouldn't make an attacking formation like that what? but it, it's at home against a team that you expect to be around us on the mm. table that's where those decisions work and again it goes back to Roy knowing best I think in well, knowing also, where to make these decisions also if, if Roy has taken advice has listened to other people then that's not a sign of weakness. No, not at all. That's yeah. a sign of a good manager. Yeah. That's a sign of trusting your management team to, to talk to you about things. Mm. But of course Roy knows business. No, you talk to anybody in football, Liverpool players and fans of that time, maybe less so, although Peter Crouch loves him, but you talk to anybody in football, they've got the ultimate respect for, for Roy Hodgson. And, you know, if, if sometimes his methods are a little old-fashioned, his tactics are a little old-fashioned, that reflects the fact that he's in his 70s and he's from a, a different era. But he's not incapable of, of learning. As yeah. we saw on Saturday, he can yeah. be flexible. Yeah. And I think as well, the the better players we get, the more flexible he will become. Mm. If we bring three or four players in in, in, the, in January who are better than the ones we've got, then because you can only work with the players that you've got. And it's it's like, as he said in his first season, 
when some of the when people were moaning about the substitutions, and he, and he was saying, oh, "Who am I bringing yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. Look at the bench. We haven't got players that are better than the players that are starting the game." Ultimately, yeah. Kev. Ultimately, football's about it's all about results. And yes, as supporters, and we pay good money, we want to see exciting football. We want to see you know flowing, entertaining football. But at the end of the day, when you're sat at home on a Saturday night looking at the yeah, league I, table, absolutely, I want to see yeah. us with eleven points. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to see us with three, but we play attacking so, football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. You I know agree. what I mean? Yeah. And you know, we have got some great players. Well, who can it, it, perform but look when I sat down Saturday night having been at the game and saw that yeah, yeah. I'm like you know what good weekend this yeah. absolutely although, yeah although I did get frustrated against the thought if we if only we'd won that Wolves game we'd be fourth I know but, <laughs> yeah, but we're but doing alright but it does come back to there was, a, there was a tweet we read out last week that sort of bamboozled people a little bit but it was, basically what the guy was saying is do alright fine we start playing attacking football and we don't win are the fans going to be happy with that? Mm. Of course, the answer is they're not. But I didn't see any lack of attacking intent on Saturday. No, but, not you know, it's, it's, Towards the end of last season, we played some brilliant, simple, free-flowing yeah. football. And I think that will come again. But what I saw was an effective positive. And that's all you want is a positive yeah. frame of mind. And we, we definitely saw that. On and I think as fans as well, we uh, we don't ask for much. And we are quite, we're easily pleased when we see the team trying of and playing attacking of, football. Of, of, and and it, as you said earlier, that replicated... In the stands, yeah. onto the pitch. Also, I think as well, I thought we were physically really, really strong mm. on Saturday in a way that I don't think we've been... And we were, we're quite a big side, especially when Kiyaki's playing, but we were out-muscling them, some of them in midfield and some of the defenders. Kiyaki, a couple of times I thought, was really unfairly penalised when he was just stronger than... Yeah. And their defenders. I was very could, disappointed yeah. with Norwich. They didn't really come to the... To no, the I, 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 to I, I agree. And their away form is, is poor, but... But you know, it's up to us to beat teams. Exactly, because we in the, did in the, in the past. Yeah, you would say to Norwich fans, "Look, don't worry if you if you can't win away from home, we'll be the team that yeah, yeah. fixes that for you." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's nice to see us putting teams like that to the sword when they're yeah, not well. So you can read that article. Hodgson learns lessons as attacking changes make difference for Team One Point and Three at the Athletic. Quite wordy, isn't it? Um, at the Athletic, and if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash fyp, you can get a thirty day free trial and receive fifty percent off your yearly subscription. Now, lads, after the break, it's time for our very special guest. He's in. He's hovering. the one and only Mr. Sean Derry. Welcome back to part three of the Five Year Plan podcast. 300th podcast and it's time wow amazing it's time for our special guest now guys we've been lucky with me down the years to have some amazing special guests on this podcast and today's is no different I'm very excited this is a bona fide palace legend who played 226 times for the club over two spells he's experienced it all including the highs of promotion the lows of administration Mm. and is now back at the club in a coaching capacity plus He's better than Stevie G and more faithful than John Terry. Yeah. It's, of course, the one and only Sean Derry. Yeah, we've got Sean Derry back. We've Welcome to the Derry podcast. Back. Oh, delighted to be here. Top man, how are you? Yeah, really good. Really good. Yeah. And back at Palace? Yeah, I mean, fantastic to be back. It's, um, it's amazing. I was just talking the other day about being back and certain people who were there when I, you know, still here when I was here the first time around, you know, behind the scenes, you know. Palace doesn't change. It's um, yeah. It's great to see no, familiar you, faces. You're not going to get Terry Byfield out of there. No, Terry's <laughs> Terry's handcuffed himself to his desk. He's definitely uh, he ain't moving. Well, speaking so. of people who were here the first time, obviously now this interview came about because you know James Endicott yeah, very well. Yeah. And I want to know 
What was it like meeting James Endicott? <laughs> I feel like everyone's got an Enders story. Do you have any, do you have any Enders stories? Well, it came through Matty Lawrence. Um, obviously, you know, James and, uh, and Matty are firm friends. And I was, me and Matty was, you know, great teammates and friends as well. So, I mean, we saw each other. Saw each other a bit. And also my, yeah, yeah. And also my son, times. Travis, was playing for the academy at the That's time right. as well. Yeah. And there was one particular time he was having a bit of a tough time. Mm. He would have been about 14 years old. So it would have been about 10 years ago. Maybe a bit, bit less than ten years, and yeah, he's nineteen. I think, I think you were captain at the time. Yeah, <laughs> you were captain at the time, and um, it was always nice for the younger kids, like to see the the first team players hanging around um, at the training ground in Beckenham. And I think I seen you, I saw you, and I knew you a little bit. And you took Travis under your wing and gave him a yeah, nice little talk to. Him. And then he gave football up. So. Yeah. <laughs> That went really well, Sean. Thanks, thanks for that, mate. Sure, he now looks at his best mate, Joe Gomez, who plays yeah, for yeah, Liverpool yeah. in England, and goes, oh, well, there. Uh, oh, can really thank Sean Derry for that pep talk there. And Mike, Mike and I now work in a bar in Peckham. No, it was, I'm, I'm mere joking. And, um, but, yeah, we, we've had many a, a night out over the years. Yeah, and, we um, had some great nights out. I mean, yeah. obviously the big one was the, was the night out after the famous 2010. Yeah. Great yes. escape, which was which was remarkable. Before we talk about that, though, Sean, did it, did it feel like destiny that you were to come back to Palace? I always, do you know what, Kevin? I, if if I'm honest, and I look at my career as a player, and um, you know, I had some great moments at different clubs, and I always had a real fondness for for the clubs that I played for. Of course, I really did, and um, I mean, perhaps the last club, Millwall, didn't go to plan how I wanted it to go to plan. Yeah. I mean, it was brilliant logistically. But my legs are gone, yeah. mm. and they didn't see perhaps the you know the best of of my career, and you know it was a poor move <laughs> on everyone's kind of level really. But aside from aside from Millwall, I think you know I had a, I had a really good relationship with with the fans, and um, I think people appreciated what type of player I was, mm. um, and there was none more so than the Crystal Palace relationship, you know. I came as a certain player and I came back as something different. Yeah. And that was weird in itself because, I mean, I came as a number 10. I don't know if you can remember. I came and Clinton was number 10. And for whatever reason, Trevor Francis wanted me to wear that shirt. I don't know if he was kind of in a little bit of a situation with Clinton and he wanted to push him down a little bit. I ended up with this 10 and I was the worst number 10 ever. <laughs> I mean, you know, if ever anybody shouldn't deserve to pull in the number 10 shirt, that was me. So thankfully, when I came back and, um, you know, I ended up having that number four on my back, um, people could see what type of player I really was. <laughs> I think, yeah, we've we've hinted to one or two fans that you're coming on and they'll be really pleased at issues. I think that, that whole team, we'll talk about it later, but you in particular have got a relationship with fans. Fans can relate to a player like you more than they can maybe to a, a skillful centre-forward, if you like, or a, you know, a messy. They can relate to somebody like you because you kind of represent fans on the pitch. You know? Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I think it comes back from, you know, my, my background. Yeah. You know, my background as a as a young person being brought up in Nottingham, you know, lived like many people do, um, especially through football, was, you know, we lived on a council estate and, you know, my mum and dad made massive sacrifices. I mean, just incredible sacrifices for us you know three brothers to be able to do what we wanted to do and you know my challenge and my love was football so going without things and being able to go and still play on a Saturday morning Saturday afternoon and Sunday that I never forgot about that and um, again my upbringing at Notts County is a as an old YTS where my manager at the time made us very very 
you know, he was very forthright in what he expected. Who was that? That it was a, it was a guy called John Gaunt who was well known in the you know at Notts County at the time, and just his characteristics rubbed off on me. And obviously, being a young player at Notts County as a 18 year old, playing with senior professionals back in the day. Mm. Old, you know, t- what uh, year was this? Just to put it in context, I can't quite. So, this would have been 96, 96, yeah, okay. 96, 98 time when I joined oh, okay. Notts County as a, a, an old YTS, oh, okay. you know, That's doing youth, all the youth, jobs, youth training scheme, yeah, no, some, yeah. Of the young, no, some of our younger listeners, yeah, like, yeah, so it would like be, yeah, 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 apprenticeship, yeah. scholarship, yeah. Um, so did you have to do that thing you had to get when the older players had. The, the the senior players had finished. You had to get their boots and yeah. clean the boots. You have to do all that sort Absolutely. of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, I was looking after two players, um, Sean Murphy and Tommy Gallagher. Tommy's now one of my best friends. Um, they were so. Do you clean his boots still? <laughs> Only on a Sunday. Joe. Okay, fine, yeah, fine, Every fine. other day, we, we get someone else to clean. Okay, them, that's, good, that's good. But no, I mean, it, he was, Sean was very particular. He used to say, "Listen." If you're going to do it, do it properly. Mm. So, I mean, I, we we had a rule at Notts County that if you lived further than seven miles away from the tra- fr- from the ground from Meadow Lane, you could live in the digs, which was this kind of massive, old-fashioned hostel where. 18 players lived and it was like you didn't want to live there no, thankfully dangerous. thankfully my parents lived 7.1 miles <laughs> but what that consisted of was me um, catching two buses and walking about three miles to get to Medellin and setting off at six in the morning right. and that was part of life you know when you get there and you've got jobs you know and my jobs at the time were cleaning the main um, toilets of the first team dressing room and having individual boots. So Sean said, listen, if you're going to do these boots, my boots need to be dry in the morning. So, I mean, to bore people out, I washed them, but I took them home in a, in, in a backpack, and then I put them in every for two years. I put them in my mum and dad's drying cupboard. Did un, you? Yeah, underneath Amazing. the stairs, so that the next morning they were just right to polish. Wow. And the whites had to be white because it was no yellow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know these mad colours, black and white boots. Yeah. And he said, if them white stripes aren't clean, you're gonna know about it. <laughs> and. I did. You know, I got to know about them. That's changed now, isn't it? Because obviously I don't... Yeah, you can't get beat up for not getting (laughs) (laughs) white. Different times. Completely. You talk to a lot of players of your generation and older and they all say to a man that they appreciated having to do it and that they they think it's... The younger players are the worst for not having... Oh, without without a doubt, and I, and I know times change. I get that. I, I I do get that. But I but I think when you see your player playing on a Saturday afternoon and you've cleaned them boots, you feel part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. feel you feel like you've just contributed yeah. something to that yeah. performance. And obviously, you know, if it's, it's a positive performance, you know, Sean and Tommy would they'd look after you. You know, they'd give you. A, you know, they give us a fiver for the, you right, know, yeah. for, for Saturday night, whatever it was going to be. And it, I know times have changed. I get that 100%. But them values stuck with me throughout my career. But it's also astonishing yeah. that players only had one pair of boots or two pairs of boots. Oh, absolutely. Rather than a pair a week that yeah. they're sent by yeah. a sports company. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, I mean, further down, you know, further down the trail when I was 32, 33. I mean, when I was at QPR, I had this relationship with Nike that, I actually tested the new boots before they went on sale. Really? So I was getting loads and loads of boots. <laughs> I mean, you know, my dad had some brilliant football boots. <laughs> 60 years old. You know, <laughs> apart. It was great. But, um, we have actually had a question in from someone called Kevin. Hi, Kevin. I don't think it was you. Yeah. Um, 
Who said, which player influenced you the most? God, what a great question. I mean, it would have been in them early days. It would have been the captain. I would say the captain at Notts County was a, an old, tough centre-half called Gary Strudder. What a great football name. Great name. Gary Strudder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a hard name, isn't it? Oh, I mean, he, he, he was just, he was unbelievable. He was so tough. I mean, he, you didn't look at him. In the mornings, he was that tough. <laughs> you know? And he was the right-sided centre-half. And I made my debut as a right-back. And I played 15 games for Notts County as an 18-year-old. And, and, and Gary, he looked after me. you know, And he looked after, firstly, himself and the team because he was the captain. But he, you know, he, he, he spoke to me every day. And you know, he made me aware of what was required to be... There's, there's the tag of a professional footballer. And there's actually a professional footballer. And he made me realise just what being professional was all about. You know, being on time, having that appreciation for the game, under, you know, developing a love for the game mm. as well. Not just as a kid, but as a, as a, as a young man, as, a, you know, as, a, as this kind of guy from Nottingham who represented my mates. Yeah. yeah. But being professional about it and not taking it for granted, he was. He was and Notts County were a decent side in those days as well. It's hard to imagine now with all that's befallen them, but yeah. they were. A, a, yeah, they was floating around the championship for. Well, a we were. Time. I mean, yeah. my first my first year actually culminated in a what's now a League One playoff final defeat. I mean, I made my debut in March time, played twelve games, and my fifteenth game was at the Old Wembley against wow. Bradford, where wow. we lost two 0 Wow. And you think, oh, I like this Wembley player. <laughs> <laughs> and never revisited, ever. <laughs> Can I just ask, that being a young right-back and having an experienced centre-back next to you, we've talked a lot about Aaron Wan-Bissaka in the um, last couple of years yeah. and the influence of, of Tompkins and, and Saka and Kelly. It, how important is it having an experienced player next to you? And do you think Aaron would have benefited from the likes of Tompkins and Saka? Without a doubt. And, and, and what I think as well, Aaron would definitely have benefited by the fact that he had... Milivojevic yeah. just sat sweeping in front of him, aware that there's this young kid at right back, because mm. that's what he was and still is to a certain extent. And this is what kind of I, I I'm thinking forward now to what challenges he's going to face at Man United, because you're going to be that team that's always on the front foot, and he's going to be left exposed to a degree because you need to generate final third entries, and he's yeah. going to be spending a lot more of his time kind of in right wing areas but when you're on the back foot like Palace often are because that's the kind of yeah. that's what happens sometimes yeah. you know you're on the back foot he's got a different challenge at Man United but when you've got an experienced right-sided centre-half and a captain sat in front of you who understands what a brilliant upbringing for him but, but, it's not just young players though, as you can see Cahill talking to, to oh, yeah, UVA yeah. all the time all well, the time I mean Cahill's just for me was a I think that was a masterstroke signing, I've yeah. got to say. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. At that time, you know, just what Palace needed. But the voice, the leadership qualities. He talks all you the time, Sean. Yeah. He talks all the time. James, you can't buy that now, mate. No. You know, He really does. It's, I mean, I, I, was, I, was watching, I was watching the game at the weekend. And from the, the first minute of the game, he's marshalling that defence. He's talking to everybody. He's looking around the whole time. It's amazing to see. I mean, I've, I've passed him on the, uh, on the stairs two or three times since I've been back at the club. Mm. And he walks with authority. Wow. Mm. And, I, I, and I, I say that because I've seen that. I've seen that with certain people who I've played with. You know, you carry yourself right. He walks in like he's won things. And I think as a young player, 
if they don't recognise that, mm. if not just young players, but players who want to go and achieve, if you don't recognise just how people carry themselves, because that rubs off on you. Yeah. And he does that. Yeah. But those, I mean, having characters like that in a team is so important. I mean, Aaron's at United now and you've got your, your Pogbers and Rashfords and stuff, but unless you have characters like a Gary, like yourself when you were captain at Palace, the team falls apart, surely. Well, you need leadership qualities, don't you? You know, and people say, what are they? You know, are they just, are they voices? Are they, are they just characters? You know, because you can be a leader as a character, you know? You, Danny Butterfield wasn't the captain for, captain for Crystal Palace, but he was a leader because he was such a character. Yeah. <laughs> and then AJ was a leader because he, he grabbed hold of games. Yeah. And I was a leader in different ways. And I think you need a little bit of blend of, a, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Well, Jed, Jed, I said to us on this podcast that we asked him a similar question. He said, I don't know how to define leadership. I just know that I've got it. Yeah. Oh, 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 he's got it. Yeah. yeah. Can I just say as well, one of my overriding memories of Danny Butterfield is that Wolves game. The hat trick. Oh, the, the perfect hat trick. <laughs> but not just that. You, after the final goal goes in, just laughing your head off. Because <laughs> it was just such a ridiculous scenario. Well, I mean. Well, you say that, but my overriding memory is a bloke coming up to me in the Glaziers afterwards with a betting slip with Danny Butterfield to score three goals. No way. Yep. And, wow. And I met yeah. that guy at the weekend. Really? I met <laughs> really? him at the weekend at the. Um, <laughs> I, I went back to do the. Um, the Wolves game yeah. and this guy came up to me and went can you remember that game I said yeah I can remember absolutely <laughs> I'm I can. still laughing I'm the fellow with a bet really? we, I said you're kidding me so I've heard that one before that's yeah. real yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's real. show me the betting yeah. slip yeah. that's unbelievable well, that's crazy. But it must be crazy for you to watch your mate who's a right back it was so funny I mean the not 24 but 48 hours prior to that game was just carnage yeah. It was carnage on the basis that our right backs playing centre forward, and that in itself just it was it made everyone laugh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that was what Neil was about, you know. Neil Warnock just had this way of just affecting games, and I know he'll tell the story, and he's probably said it two or three times, but it came from a dream he had. No, what I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, really? it came from a dream. Yeah, Neil had this dream, and if he didn't have the dream, his wife Sharon had dreams. <laughs> and sometimes, Amazing. if you talk to Dougie Friedman, right, back in the back, 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 Dougie was supposed to play once, and um, we'd done all our game prep, and Dougie was centre forward, and Sharon had a dream, and Dougie didn't score in this dream, <laughs> and Scurry scored, James Scowcroft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. The gaffer pulled Dougie and he went, listen, mate, you can't play. Sharon's had this dream, Scoey scored. And he dropped him because of this dream. It was a classic. And did Scoey score? Uh, Do you know what? I'm not sure if he did. I I, I don't know. Dougie weren't happy, mind. No, I'm not surprised. Uh, Well, well, he's still not, is he? (laughs) Sean, it's interesting you mentioned um, Neil Warnock because I remember remember speaking to you actually the night after the Sheffield Wednesday game when we were in the pub just about before we went out going mad. And um, I said to you, who's the best manager I've ever played for? You went, Neil Warnock. Without even anything, he's like Neil Warnock. Yeah. You, the way you spoke about him was in such hallowed terms. You just say he's he was brilliant. Hearing that story makes him even better. Oh, <laughs> he was. What uh, was it about him that that really got you? Well, he, he put trust in people, and I was one of them people that he put trust in. So, I mean, as a manager, eleven people are going to really like you. Yeah. Seven and a half like you, and you got about eight who absolutely yeah. want you out the door as quickly yeah. as possible. Yeah. That is the nature of the beast. But thankfully, I was one of them guys who he, I wouldn't say he turned to because he knew what he was doing. Yeah. But he had the likes of me, Matty Lawrence, Danny Butterfield, you know, even uh, like Darren Ambrose. I say even Darren Ambrose. <laughs> Darren Ambrose was a very different character to us, yeah. but he was a leader. 
and we just spoke about what type of qualities you need and he had five or six in that dressing room that just epitomised him and they made it easier for Neil to have a really good time. As When you, when you yeah. say he, he trusted you, does that mean he could leave you to your own devices in training, that he just knew that you would do what he wanted you to do on the pitch on the... A Saturday, then he could concentrate on other things. Was that well? Neil didn't. He wasn't on the training pitch twenty four seven, you know, and he, he trusted his staff. Um, so Keith Curl was was very close to him, and Ronnie Jepson, and obviously now he's got um, different types of people who are kind of on Kevin the outside, Blackwell, yeah. but his inside set, you know, his inside group are exactly the same right. type of characters to what is now, it's perhaps when he was at Uddersfield 25 years ago. Right. The, he, he wants them people around him because he, he needs trust, Neil. And I think he could trust us. Can I, I mean, I'm just thinking about characters and teams, and you've played for quite a lot of Palace teams that have characters in them. You, you go back to the 2004 promotion team, you had Dowie as manager, you've got Husey, Aki Rialati, yeah. AJ, Shipley. I mean, what's he, that, that team personified bounce-back ability. Yeah. What, what, was, what was it like playing for that team back then? I think Neil, uh, sorry, I think Ian came in at, at the best possible time for Ian Dowie and for Crystal Palace. And I say that because I thought long and hard of why why were we so successful over that period from being second from bottom on Boxing Day yeah. to uh, to being one nil winners against West Ham in the in the playoff finals. How did that happen? And now, if you look back at the group, predominantly there was a lot of young single lads or. Right. lads whose kids perhaps were below four years old so our training regime was it was incredible we went to the swimming pool twice a week at six o'clock in the morning wow. at Beckenham Spa yeah. we'd be in the pool at six o'clock in the morning then we'd train and then we'd be boxing in the afternoon until I R4 <laughs> well I was single you know I, I, I was with Jolene my wife but we, we didn't have kids yeah. Yeah. you know Joe had a job and she was getting in at R5 and so you weren't technically single then not really I was I was married to the game at <laughs> yeah, that yeah. point do you yeah, know what I mean I, yeah. I was just like I didn't football was my everything and it was probably the everything of 15 other players inside that dressing room and Ian Dowie could drive us so far and we just reacted and we trained like dogs we really oh. did now fast forward probably 18 months and it was a different group of players yeah you know we had different characteristics coming to the football club you know we, we, we'd signed a number of foreign boys that perhaps wasn't the characteristics of what the group was but we also had lads who had kids who were going to school six seven eight years old right, right. and that's I always think about that's this. That's interesting. About yeah. as a it makes manager. Sense. It makes total sense. Well, when you think about it, James, you know, you've got to look at... The lads have got to be happy. Yeah. Now, you can drive them nine to five, like our group was fully able to be driven nine to five, or you've got to find a different way of getting the maximum amount of players. And I think that's probably where Ian Cummins stuck at. So, so a lot of it's luck, isn't it, of getting having the right amount of players that have the right just lives going on? Well, at the, at the moment that he took over the club... I think, like I say, right person at the right time at the right football club. It was, it was a, it was brilliant. I don't think there are any football fan or Palace fan listening that it would, would occur to us that 
that sort of dynamic it, it yeah. makes a difference in the, in the team of players uh, whether you've got kids of a certain age or uh, it's something that you know I think now when you look at the <coughs> recruitment of football clubs we you know having experienced what I've experienced over the last six or seven years through management and, and coaching that is massive it's speaking interesting of, so, so speaking of Ian Dowie though I, I mentioned to a, a journalist that you were hopefully coming on the pod and he said, I had to ask you about Ian Dowie's speech before the playoff final. And he said, I would need tissues. And I don't know whether that means it's sad or sexy. But he said it was the most, he said it was the most amazing, the, the, he, he called it the first pair of boots speech. Oh, it was incredible. It really was. I mean, he, obviously Ian came in, um, Kit was his assistant, having who knew the group, we had John Harbin, who was yeah. very left field. Yeah. You know, John was very, very left field, and he, he got us on a different level. Mm. And Bob was there, by his brother, Bob Dowie. So he had, the, again, this, this group that he, he felt so strong about, but he had this group of players as well that he could say anything to. Mm. And, I, you know, you're right. This, this team talk was one of the most inspiring team talks I think I've ever heard. And it was about who, who bought your first pair of boots. And think about the moment that you got them for the first pair of boots and what it feels to still have that relationship with that person. And obviously, 20 years further down the line, what's your why? Why are we playing this game? Yeah. Who are we playing it for? And for what reasons? Well. And it was like, it, and it resonated with us all. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. But he talked about his That's own amazing. dad as well because his dad had passed away recently and it's like, uh, yeah. it sounds amazing. I mean, I mean the personal touch. Ian was very personal. He really was, and he, he gave us a bit of him. And I don't. I've encountered managers over time that have become so disattached to the player, and you don't get anywhere near them. Mm. Ian wasn't. He, oh. he, 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 he was. He was everything. And I, I mean, I still have a brilliant relationship for him now. And he sold me. <laughs> <laughs> but he did. Yeah. yeah. Neil Warnock sold me at Sheffield United. Ian Dowie sold me. But but that's football, and you can't ever let football get in between of what mm. personal relationships yeah. are as well. I do have a question about that actually, but before that, didn't you gate crash the party after the playoff final in yeah, 2004? Did, did, uh, big time. <laughs> yeah, I mean massively, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not, not, not one of my finer moments. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember, I remember Ian, Ian was dancing with his wife, uh, dancing to The Lady in Red by Christopher, <laughs> which the DJ had put on, and this is after about 20 minutes I'd realised I was not, I was, I was at a promotion party, but it was literally the players and their wives. And how I got there is a long story, which I will not going to repeat <laughs> on air. Um, but yeah, no, and I, I remember running up to Ian Dowie and giving him a big kiss and saying thank you. And so at that moment, I was in the middle of the dance floor, looked around, saw these faces, these evil eyes looking at me. I thought it's about time I went. <laughs> yeah, it's about time. Yeah, so yeah, that was. Well, a... that night was unbelievable. Oh, it's I mean, because amazing. it's amazing. No, nobody expected it. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, we didn't even have a party planned because nobody. We thought, of course, we did, but we didn't. We never looked beyond the game. So we didn't even think about party, about travelling back to London or anything like that. I mean, we travelled the day before the game. We wore our away kit for the playoff final. West Ham travelled, they flew down, they had yeah. these suits. Yeah. We, we just treated it like any other game. Brilliant. Yeah. And the party itself, I mean, I don't know if you remember yeah, it, yeah, James, I remember, but yeah, I remember. ships hijacked the um, DJ booth <laughs> and we paid off the DJ fella. Oh, get your cell phone, mate, leave your booth and you can collect it tomorrow. And Ships was in there with a massive cigar on and it was like, it was bizarre. Oh my God. I mean, my wife Jolene, she got so drunk that night, I think she kicked a shoe off and it, it, 
endow his wife. And it was like, it was one of the nights where you was just, it was, it was just brilliant. Well, Ships had every right to celebrate after oh. scoring that 25 oh. yard volley that he keeps, that he keeps oh. telling us about. He gets but further out every well, time we see him. It, I mean, what it a man. actually goes back to what you're saying about this, this group of people together. The, the idea, you know, yeah. and, just, and that being together, that the idea of flying down there and getting suits made didn't really enter into your heads. It was all about yeah. the football game. Yeah. Oh. It's about the football game. You know, and I think that's a really interesting thing. And what you were saying about that, it just made me think, and sorry to interrupt you, JD, but it was that thing that you were saying. And it's like, nowadays, people have got so many, even as an 18-year-old kid, they've got so many other interests outside of the game. Yeah. You know, whether it be through social media or whether it's through their their with their booths or their sponsorship and all this and it, it's so much more yeah. to do outside of the game especially in the Premier League level so that idea of you're just like the only thing you think about is playing football oh. and even to the point where the playoff final it's just about football what flying and, and suits didn't even enter into it and I think that's such an important part yeah. of it uh, and I think we've got to be very careful not to get away from just how much we love football Yeah, yes. you know, and, and, and this is why again Fast forward many years, and I'm back at Crystal Palace. I want, I, I want the lads to love football. Mm. I want, I want them to watch football. I want them to talk about football. I want them to communicate in a football environment right. where we can galvanise and, and 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 I'm not. Listen, I, I might be this crazy guy who wants to go back years. I don't want to go back years. I just want us to take care of the game. It's romantic. It, That's what it is. Yeah. It's the romance of the I game, love it. Isn't it. Yeah, and I and I miss every day playing. Really, even though you know I've had some good moments of managing, and you know the highs of certain moments of being a coach. Nothing can ever ever get near playing football. Mm. Never, even in them, you know the heady days of the of the Premier League as a thirty two year old, where I never thought I'd get, and being in this bizarre environment with. Premier League superstars who are coming to play for QPR yeah. and I'm looking thinking who in this room actually loves a game yeah, yeah. you've got to love it yeah. and we look you know Clint Clint Hill loves the game yeah boy Jamie did he love it <laughs> and, he, and he showed it on the pitch didn't yeah. it? after the Sheffield game yeah but, but, like, but like AJ yeah AJ loves the game he loved being a footballer yeah Danny Butts loved being a footballer, yeah. and I know we're going back. I get that, but and 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 I, and I, I look at the modern day player. Yeah, has it changed? Especially for the Palace players, I look at Kale. He'll love being a he'll love being a footballer. Yeah, yeah. The captain will love being a footballer. You can tell. Yeah. Wilf loves being a football. He loves yeah. being a footballer. <laughs> yeah. He loves it. Yeah, he does. You know, you, you can tell, and they're just three lads who you can reel off. Um, we've got a few questions about that that time before we sort of move on to. Probably the Hillsborough games. We've got a lot of questions about that. Um, Grey jogging bottoms. Oh, hey, Akos says um, our Hungarian friend. He's our Hungarian sure. number one Hungarian Palestine says Sandor Torgeli said that he rented your flat during his spell at the club. <laughs> Was he a better tenant than goal scorer for Palace? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Don Sandor a kipper. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, done him a kipper. <laughs> so that's where I met my wife Jolene. We both. Um, lived in the same block of flats and Shandor arrived and me and Joe were getting on so well that I decided to move into her flat yeah. and rent mine out. So um, it happened to be Shandor had just <laughs> arrived and I said, oh, I've got a little flat around the corner, you can go in there. <laughs> so I rent Shandor for, for about a year, uh, but it did ruin my floor. I don't know if he was wearing the high heels or his wife was wearing <laughs> <laughs> Right, well, his spell at Palace suddenly all makes sense. Um, we've had a couple of questions as well about uh, your hairstyle at the time. Oh. 
from Vic Mo <laughs> says, did he regret the 2004 mullet? <laughs> and JW Lee 21 says, did he miss the mullet? Did I regret the mullet? No, I, I thought, the, the mullet made me laugh every day. <laughs> I looked at myself and I thought, I mean, you want to see my wedding photo. Never mind the rock. <laughs> my wedding photo was... Was the mullet like, in the wedding photo? No, my, my wedding photo was a bet. Right? I had a bet that I wouldn't cut my hair for a year. And um, me and Joe had a shotgun wedding because um, we had a little one on the way and my, my wife wanted to be yeah. wed by yeah. the time Lily arrived. Yeah. So, uh, But I was still in this bet. You know, this bet, it was a bet, by the way, and my hair was so I long. I remember the hair, long hair. Yeah. And um, Danny Butterfield was um, my best man. So on the day of the wedding, I woke up and I looked like James. Like, look at you, on? Sean, look at you. I can't get married looking like James Ender. <laughs> so Butts went round to um, the room where my wife was staying and borrowed some hair straighteners. When he come back, he went, don't worry about this, mate. We'll sort this out. And you want to see, my hair is the flattest, longest hair you'll ever... And people look and go, who got married to your wife on the wedding <laughs> Sounds really emo. So my 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 my, um, my mullet actually that was probably one of my better ones. <laughs> Good. Uh, right. So obviously you left Palace mm. uh, once you got promoted. Was it disappointing to not have played more in the Premier League than having been such a kind of mainstay in prom- during promotion? Yeah, I, I say I was. A, was I a mainstay? I mean, I I was a mainstay in terms of being involved in the squad. I mean, I played the first half of that season that we got promoted, and then. Ian came in and, you know, he, he, he preferred Aki. And Aki had a, a wonderful end of season. So I was kind of dipping in and out. You know, I, I played my I played my games, but I didn't play as many as I wanted to. But the results were... Listen, the results are results. They take care of themselves. Um, and then to go and play left midfield in yeah. the playoff final, obviously through default because Julian was serving a suspension... Um, and obviously I know I weren't a left midfielder you, you know everyone knew that so I knew going into the Premier League season it would be difficult and I think you know even if Ian was sat here he'd probably recognise there were certain signings that were made that perhaps didn't work out and I left because I, I go back to loving football I wanted to play mm. and when Leeds United come knocking you've got to go and speak to them yeah. you have to and as soon as I went up to Ellen Road and you know Kevin Blackwell was the manager up there. I wanted to go and play for Leeds because I wanted to play for this huge football club. And it was and still is and will continue to be so at, at Leeds. And I'd had three great years there. But I, I, I always thought back as a 26-year-old to play in the Premier League would have been great. I mean, I enjoyed it as a 32-year-old, but would there be more longevity as a 26-year-old? Would my career have took a different turn? But I've got no regrets. Not one. There's no regret I have in in my decisions that I made. You know, I went. Every decision was for the right reason, and that was playing. Leeds is a big club, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. it's a massive club. Should be in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. they should. Be. I mean, it's a, it's a remarkable football club. It really is, and so very proud to have pulled on that white shirt. I yeah. mean, again, would I have played for Leeds United if they'd have been in the Premier League? One hundred percent not. <laughs> Let's not beat around the bush. <laughs> we wouldn't have. Not when they had the likes of, you know, Kuehl and Viduka and and Alan Smith and people like that the year before it was obviously because of relegation that we pulled on that white shirt but I weren't half proud to pull it on mm, a bit and then obviously the opportunity to return to Palace came back and he came back on loan first yeah what was it like when the opportunity came back to come back to Palace Were you, you take, take it sort of as quickly as possible again 
you know, uh, there was a situation that took place up at Leeds and me and Dennis Wise, the manager at the time, had fallen out. And I had a, I was recovering from a really bad injury. Um, I had a problem with my heel that I'd, I got a real heavy knock against Stoke and Sadibi, the big centre forward, caught me on the back of my heel and it ballooned and calcified. Ooh. So I had this double size heel and it took three operations to um, to clear up. And I was out for about 11 months and Ken Bates offered me a, a pay-up, a retirement package. And I was right at the... I was just shortly to turn 30 and I thought, yeah. retiring at 30, this is madness. Yeah. But I couldn't move. And... That must be so frustrating. Oh, it was because we were we were in a relegation fight, yeah, yeah. and I couldn't help the team. I couldn't, you know, I, I just couldn't move. I had one. I remember I had one pair of trainers, and it was one of these these high top kind of boot trainers that I had to cut the back out of, and my heel was hanging out the back of the shoe. Oh. It was so big, and so I thought, well, it's it's or bust basically. Yeah. So I got. I, I ended up wearing a size eleven right foot and, a, and a, a size nine left foot and I cut the back out of this boot and I trained I could only train for 15 minutes a day until this heel ballooned again oh my god and then I got a phone call and it was um it was off Neil he said what are you doing I said well <laughs> he said come and play for us I said look I've got this but I was just managing my minutes I was up to about 35 40 minutes a day training and that's all I could he said we need we need you back and um so I blagged it. <laughs> I, I basically blagged oh, it. I well said, done. right, I'll be back. You know, and I, and I said to Joe, we're going back down to Palace on loan. And we did. And um, I think my first game was away at Colchester, if I can remember rightly. And um, we won 3-2. And I had this boot on, which was a size 11. And I was still, I managed really? to get I managed to get through it. And then suddenly... Was it painful as well? It, it, it was excruciating. Oh, my God. It was, I, I mean... Now, you know... So did, still... did you not tell anybody at the club? Did you just what, totally Palace? kept this to yourself? Oh, no, I completely blagged it. Wow. Completely. Wow. Completely, yeah. Wow. I didn't tell anybody. It's just amazing that you weren't even, like, checked out, like some sort of medical or... Well, I did, but because I was... I could do 40, 45 minutes. Right, you were fine. You could yeah. get through it. So when I got there and I played this game against um, Colchester and it went okay, yeah, yeah. and then I just had to manage my minutes in the week. Yeah until I could get back on the pitch and then suddenly you get used to it and your pain threshold, you, you accept sure. it. And, and is it adrenaline as well when you're on the adrenaline's pitch? Adrenaline's massive, isn't it? Yeah. You, know, you, you get through it. Yeah, and, you do. Um, but I, I, I had to play. I couldn't retire. Yeah. Oh, you can't retire. You, not, not, not when there's still that little glimmer of light that you can play. And then we got into the playoffs. Yeah. 2008. Yeah. Lost to Bristol City in that semi. Yeah. I was doing a journalism exam the next day and I took my <coughs> revision notes with me at the back of the away stand. At Crystal City for that game. Yeah. Obviously, I failed the exam. Um, <laughs> and Ben Watson missed a penalty. Yeah, that right? that's right. Yeah. And then they scored right in the last minute. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we had some unbelievable encounters against Bristol City around about that moment, yeah. didn't we? They hated Neil, didn't they? Oh, they, they, I remember them coming out of that ground and they were chucking things at the coach. Yeah. They were chucking really? things at the coach and Neil, shouting obscenities at Warlock. Yeah, absolutely. It was awful. Yeah. I remember well, that. I mean, really the players well. hated each other as well. We really did. I mean, it was hatred. Really? Crystal City and Crystal Palace at that time. Was it really? Yeah, it was. It was unbelievable. And you know, funny. How come? Because you always think that pros are pros and just get on with it. But no, I mean, it was just the games just had an edge to them, didn't they? You know, there was always something on the game. Yeah. You know, whether they was fighting for something or yeah. we were, or yeah. you know, and there was obviously the, 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 the this 
this goal that got disallowed. Yeah, Freddie the uh, non-goal. Oh yeah, yeah. Freddie Sears. Sears. Yeah. Freddie's goal and Freddie's yeah. one one yeah. goal for Palace. And there was a lot of war of words in the press as well between Gary Johnson and Neil Warnock, yeah. and you know players as well. We yeah, it was great games. <laughs> it were great games. Great games. And obviously, and then we then we come to Hillsborough. Yeah, you know, which is another another big game. And that season, though, you played every minute of that season, didn't you? Every game? Yeah, I mean, that season was just... So the heel was presumably better by then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the heel was, you know, that I'd, I'd gone past that moment, but we, I think at one point we had some... I mean, after that infamous flight up to Newcastle, yeah. you know, we, we ended up about two weeks later with about 13 senior pros, you know, because one or two had left and Victor had left at that moment and we had to rely on younger players through the academy mm. to just make the bench. Um, and I did. I ended up playing all all the minutes, every single game. And listen, did I play well in every minute? Absolutely not. But you were injured, though. You had a bad shoulder. Yeah, I had I dislocated my shoulder. And, um, you know, Paddy had, Paddy had done the same. And um, he he was struggling with his shoulder. I was struggling with mine. And we ended up having these operations, um, which, you know, which settled them in the end. But when you're in administration, and we had characters like we did, it was just... We galvanised, yeah. and it was like, it was it was such a tight group, yeah. and we, we we had to do the job, didn't we? You know, you, well, you've got to you, do the job. you really got that being a fan as well. I mean, the fans, we, we all, everybody yeah. got behind the club. I, th- I think we we talked on the pod like seasons afterwards. We almost missed that six months because I don't think there's ever been a closer bond between a set of fans and a set of players. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked about you earlier, individually having a bond with, but that whole team. Yeah. And the, the fans just, we felt like the same people, really. Absolutely, and rightly so. You know, yeah. everybody made such a massive mark on the end of that season. You know, the fans were right behind us. And, yeah, you get disgruntled fans and supporters and players and relationships, you know, uh, not all positive, are they? But I don't think from entering administration to coming out on that final kick of the ball at Hillsborough, yeah. I, I can't recollect ever seeing a fan get on any of the players' backs hmm. because I think everybody appreciated that we were all in it together. Yeah. Did you know Paul Hart from Nottingham days? or No, I didn't know. I mean, Paul arrived, obviously. Oh, that, that was bizarre in itself, yeah. a switch of managers. Yeah. And Paul came in and I, and I remember he took me into his um, manager's room and he just said, listen, I'm going to be leaving on the, the, after the final game at Sheffield, you know, at Sheffield Wednesday. He said that straight away? Yeah. First thing he said to me, he said, I'm here only until Sheffield Wednesday. I've been given a job to do. Yeah. I've got to do it. He said, and we need the likes of myself and one or two others to help him because he didn't know the group. Uh, and, but but again, you know, Paul Paul was just brilliant for the group. He he, he was just such a calming influence. Right. Yeah. And, you know, his team talk before Hillsborough. I've heard about this, yeah. was just fantastic I mean he come in looking like Dr Doodlittle <laughs> he had this checkered suit on and we cracked up laughing he had this old like kind of medicine um, briefcase you know like you see yeah like on Downton Abbey yeah I like, call the midwife yeah and the gaffers arrived and we're like what's going on here and he went if I can remind you lads I told you I'm going to be here only until the last kick of this game and he just said but this is the biggest game we're here now yeah. We're here. We've got ourselves here. Fair credit to everybody who sat in the room, and you know, he's, he, he was such a mild mannered guy. But was that the right character that you needed then, as a group of players? At yeah, that I think we did because we 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 were crazy. Yeah, you were. 
yeah. we were, we, you know, we you were all mad for it, weren't you? We, 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 we were just, we was in it. We was in the moment, you yeah. know. We had, we had these, we, we had this kind of like, um, we used to have this sing song before the game. Every single um, game, we'd put, you know, the, the the speakers on, and even when we come out, I don't know if someone might have said this, but when we played up at Newcastle and end up losing two 0 I scored one of the most ridiculous own goals <laughs> you'll ever see. But prior to that, up at St James's Park, it's the old-fashioned dressing rooms with like pylons at the top, you know, these pipes. And I remember Johnny Hurtle lying on these pipes <laughs> at quarter three, singing, tonight's going to be a good night. <laughs> and Newcastle players looking in, thinking, what the hell's going on there? Who are these guys we're playing here? And I think my son was, I'll walk 500 miles. And, you know, we had some... Crazy songs that, and, and Paul Art just used to laugh at us. He used to, he used to say, I've never met anyone like you lot. What was the mood in the dressing room when you were at Hillsborough just before walking out? You know, that, I mean, I know you have the talk and everything, but yeah. the mood as you players, was it like, we are going to do this? Were you just, or was it like the, the worry and the panic that if you don't, then that's it, you, you might be out of a job? Oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't know if you could the club have, that, the club could have gone on. The club could have gone on. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what yeah. I mean, you would have yeah. been out of a job. Yeah. We was, we, I, I was rooming with Danny Butterfield and we got a knock on the door in our in our hotel, which, listen, footballers generally stay in nice hotels before games. This wasn't a nice hotel. <laughs> it wasn't. You know, it was kind of on the... I think it was on the edge of Barnsley. <laughs> we travelled into Sheffield. Yeah. I mean, those who come up on the train with us, I mean, the, the, it, the fans will remember, we didn't even have like a specified carriage where, where normally you do as a yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember our lads sitting on Gatorade tubs in, you know, because it was so busy. Yeah. And um, so we knew, obviously we knew things, we knew, you know, we knew things weren't right. But we knew as well, James, that it was a pivotal game. Yeah, you knew that. Yeah. You know, it was a monumental game. It, it, it was a game that could define you. Well, it was. And we got told all as individuals as much as the team. Well, Dougie was... One of the coaches, wasn't he? Mm. Dougie Friedman, yeah. obviously, coach alongside uh, alongside Paul. And he came and knocked on our door and he, he said, listen, I, I need to speak to you. You know, I need to need to speak to you and, and Butts. And, you know, we saw it wasn't just us. There was five or six other lads waiting in this um, kind of courtyard and he just took us for a little walk. He said, look, you know that it's it could go today. The club could go. Basically, so no, no pressure, lads. No, no, but but it was good from Doug because I think if he didn't trust us, he wouldn't have told us. Yeah, right. And Dougie said, "Look, we trust you, and you've got to lead this afternoon. And there's only five or six of you who could really lead, and you'll have followers." And it was a great talk. You know, we we was only out there six or seven minutes, but it was. I, I remember the talk being pretty intense. Yeah. But I was all right with intense. That was fine. But is it difficult when you when there's so much riding on a game to go out there and just play your game, or is it always on your mind even when you cross the white line? <clears throat> well, you need a strategy, don't you? You know, you need a game plan. You need a strategy. You need you, you need players to do their jobs. And we were organised. You know, Paul had worked on us, and we'd worked on each other. And we knew that we had a game changer in Darren Ambrose. Yeah. You know, we had a little bit of luck on the day with Leon Clark. His ridiculous celebrations that took him yeah. off the pitch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When he kicked the advertising. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a stroke of luck and a little bit of fortune that we needed. Although I thought that was a foul on Butterfield. <laughs> oh, don't tell him that. I said that he should have <laughs> got on the weights and you know, handled the situation a little bit better. <laughs> but um, 
I, want, I wouldn't say it, f- it all fell to plan because we had some. We was on the back foot for large parts of the game as well. But we all done our jobs, and I remember we had you know me and Johnny in the middle of the field, and they had Darren Potter, and um, oh, who's the boy who's used to play at Stoke as well? James O'Connor. They were the two midfielders on the day, and they were tough. You know, Potts could put it about, and James definitely could. And I remember saying to Johnny Hurtle before the game, I said, Johnny, we need to do these two. <laughs> and he went, what do you mean? I said, because these two are like their catalyst. Yeah. And we've got to make sure that we affect them physically. Otherwise, if we don't, we're going to be in for a real tough afternoon. And I, and I, and I remember going up and uh, kind of elbowing them both in the first 25 minutes, yeah. catching them. And they both come out like at certain parts of the game looking like Terry Butcher. And I looked at Johnny and went, give him a little nod. And we just, we just knew that we had yeah. them. Yeah. Like John, Johnny was mental in his own right. He yeah. really yeah. was. Yeah. He'd shout like the most bizarre things on a pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what? You can't swear on it, can't you? <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, we can believe yeah, it. Yeah, we'll believe but, but we had it. We had, we had like our fitness coach at the time was Chris Short. And Shorty is, was, and will continue to be the best fitness coach. And one of his, um, one of his kind of war cries every morning was, it, jump into the gym and he'd go, come on, you f***ers, let's go to war. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> and it was like, it was so funny at the same time. And on the pitch, that's what Johnny was shouting at, at Hillsborough. And it, was he? We were Brilliant. laughing. We were laughing so hard. It was just a great, what, I mean, what, 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 what a day. And can you remember your exact feeling as the final whistle went? Was it just relief, elation, job done? Emotion, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, if you, uh, I think I think I cried. I think well, there was all, tears. We all, yeah, we, yeah, all yeah, cried. we were crying, we cried. you know, yeah. we were crying. Not only had we recognised and it was, and it was recognised that it was such a monumental game, but, you know, I had a, I had a, Two children at home. Yeah. My wife was at home. You know, they they look at dad to go out, and you know, thankfully, we had an option again to yeah. still be employed. Yeah. And um, again, the club had a football club to support. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, it it had its why back, and uh, and we very nearly lost it. We really did. We've had a lot of questions from listeners around that, um, but I want to read this one out from Ebo. He says, I just want to thank Sean for a signed shirt from that Sheffield Wednesday game. He gave it to one of my mates who did his windows <laughs> once he heard I was a, fo- a fan. Thanks, Sean, for that victory and the momentum. Oh, we didn't do the inside of the windows, mine. <laughs> just on the outside, which I want my shirt back. <laughs> and on the way back, there was this infamous moment you touched on earlier in the uh, service station toilets. Yeah. And there's a video of you and... Paddy and I think yeah, butts yeah, coming out yeah, of the yeah, toilet yeah. and everyone. Yeah. What it was, yeah. Well, I mean, again, because you didn't know what was the uh, what was the end of ninety minutes at Hillsborough. We didn't know if we had a bus to take us back uh. to Wills, back to London. You know, you just didn't know what was happening. Anyway, um, Joe, my wife, she drove up and she um, she, she took um, a little golf up and was waiting in this um, car park outside Hillsborough. And thankfully, we'd won. So I texted her, I said, go and get the Fosters in the back of the car and she could drive us back. And by the time you fall deep in Fosters, the inevitable is is waiting for you. So we needed a loo break. And we walked into this toilet 
with nobody watching us, and we walked out with about a thousand. <laughs> With a rapturous round of applause and singing songs about us, and we was like, oh, "What's kind of gone on here? You know, this is this is mental." Yeah. But do you like those moments? Do, do, do you find those moments when sort of fans are involved awkward, or, or I guess the moment of the day? Do you embrace it? I think as well. I mean, at various moments, depending on where a player lives, you know. At certain moments, you'll find yourself not on the team bus. You'll find yourself at service stations yeah. Yeah. because you're so hydrated after a game that you do need to go to the loo. Yeah. And you'll always encounter either your fans or the opposition's <laughs> fans or yeah. somebody else's fans. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we've had, we had situations where it kicked off at, at service stations where other fans wanted to like go to war with you and you're really? like this is, this is bizarre as well I'm just going I'm just going to the loo here you want to you want to sort us out and it's like but yeah they are they are pretty they are pretty bizarre moments aren't they they are yeah so and obviously my one of my overriding memories for that Sheffield Wednesday game is Clint Hill on the pitch afterwards Brilliant. trying to celebrate with us lot down the end and then the stewards come in and sort of block everyone off and then there's Wednesday fans on the pitch They'll trying to take back. him on yeah. and he's not 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 falling for it. He's taking them back on as well. What a mad man. I think you came out maybe and sort of just after, yeah. Did something about yeah, that. I was thinking, where is he? You know, we we had about nine players in the dressing room afterwards. <laughs> Half of them was out there, you know, either looking after Clint. I think I can remember I'm sure Clint was being interviewed at one point and somebody threw a punch at him yeah. and oh. Nick Carl pushed him out of the way. You know, and uh, Things like that was taking place. And Clint arrived back in about 20 minutes later with just this pair of shorts. <laughs> yeah. And we was like... But he was angry. Yeah. Clint yeah. came in angry. I think because yeah. the overriding thing is because they didn't win, they went down, they went down. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't just us saving the game by drawing the game, yeah. saving the careers of everybody in the club. Yeah. They actually went down. Because yeah. I remember getting going down to the to Sheffield train station and loads of Sheffield United fans were all there. Yeah. They, hadn't, they hadn't even been to their own game. They were all so happy. They, they bought scarves off us, hats. Wow. They were buying Crystal Palace merchandise. Really? They were so happy because yeah. we'd relegated Wednesday. <laughs> what was uh, an angry Clint Hill like? Well, we saw it every day in training. So <laughs> Clint, right, Clint, Clint was the best, right? Clint, Clint's, for me, just one of the best guys. Anyway, take away what he is as a footballer and now as a, a, as a coach. But he found a way of winning everything, Clint. And if he needed to cheat, he'd cheat. <laughs> so when it comes to races, like, you know, like when you have your sprints or whatever it was, because he knew he weren't the quickest... He'd start early, and he would never touch the touch line at the top. And he used to wind me up. <laughs> Come on, you're cheating. Yeah. He'd go, no, I'm winning. <laughs> and in his head, in Clint's head, yeah. he would do anything to win, even if it meant cheat. Yeah. And I loved that about him. Yeah, I did. He used to wind me up every day, but he yeah, used yeah. to win every... In his head, he used to win every day. But that team oh, at the leader. time, they, they needed people who would yeah. win at any yeah. cost. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Clint, Clint, Clint used to go and... And I know you can't do it now. I get, well, you can, I suppose you can. <laughs> but if there was a real tough opponent, rather than head the ball, he'd go and head the back of his head. Just to let him know. Just let him know he's there. Mate, you're in a game this afternoon. Yeah. He'd find a way of affecting his opponent because he was a 5 foot 11 bordering on 6 foot centre half. Four inches shorter than yeah. your modern centre half. And he wasn't blessed with pace. But he found a way of getting through is just what what a leader yeah. what a leader what, you, and a good player as well you talked earlier about having five or six leaders on the yeah. pitch in that team most football fans now would probably say they'd kill for one or two leaders oh, of the team let alone five or six I, I just think that 
I just think that's just um, a representation of modernism, mm. modern people, modern mod the modern game, you know, modern society. You know, back in the day, we needed to sit and talk and look at each other in the eyes, didn't we? You know, mm. to have a conversation. You know, there was many times where if if a mobile phone got kind of taken out of a bag on a on a on a match day, you know, whether you're travelling on a bus or on a train, we could put your phone away. Yeah. What are you doing? That's rude. Yeah. So everybody was in it together yeah. talking. Now, you've got to find a way. I, as a, as, as a manager and as a coach now, I've got to find a way of now communicating in this modern language, mm. which is obviously through social media, yeah. a lot of it, yeah. and yeah. through mobile phones. People are different now. But you need everyone, I guess, certainly on a match day, to be on that same page. Yeah. Be buying into it with no phones or whatever. Yeah. Whatever you do, everyone's got to be with you. Well, it's culture. It, it, it It's now finding a culture that benefits everybody um, and every culture is going to be different you know and there's going to be rules and there's going to be stipulations that are at football clubs up and down you know up and down the country that but you've got to find a way yeah you've got to find a way and if it's no mobile phones in canteens or on the buses then it's no mobile phones <laughs> you, they're the rules football uh, fines at football clubs are funny one aren't they oh. what's, what's the weirdest fine you've had at a, at a club <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Jamie Mackey used to wee on you in the shower. <laughs> Not what I was expecting. So, and, he, and if he if if he was caught weeing on your feet in the shower, his fine was fifty quid. Yeah, if he was caught, no, yeah. if he was caught, yeah, because he, he used to be caught. No, because he used to do it in a way that wouldn't you wouldn't get caught. It'd be it'd be like you'd been engrossed in a conversation with him, and then. Like you've been watching and you're thinking he's doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, amazing! Yeah. Great, not what I expected when I asked that question. Um, <laughs> just going back to Palace, I've had a question from Rob Sutherland. Hi, Rob. Shout out to Rob. Hi, Rob. And he says, "Can you believe that after being on the brink of extinction in 2010, Palace are now a club that is enjoying its sixth season of Premier League football, and not that long after?" Yeah. Oh no, it's how good is it? Eh? Yeah, it's brilliant. It's mm. brilliant. I mean. Uh, because of obviously where I've been for the last six years, you know, you look at, I've not had the opportunity to get back to Palace too often. Um, and I went to the Wolves game and it was just absolutely brilliant to be sat in there watching Premier League football with some top players on the pitch, yeah. both for and against Crystal yeah. Palace. And the the surroundings that you're in, you know, the the, the place has been made better substantially made better by a lot of money being thrown into it and it now looks to be a place where you can really look forward and I'm excited I've got to say I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the football club going forward to be in the Premier League's massive yeah, yeah. by hook or by crook you stay in it yeah yeah. because yeah. it's the golden ticket isn't it in, yeah. in terms of your role at the academy talking about future how, how how do you judge success as an academy do, do you set yourself we need to get one player in the first team by this time or two, are there different ways that you, you yeah, judge it, results? Th- well, listen, we want to win. You know, of course, you know, Paddy's team wants to win at the yeah. 18s. Our team at the 23s, we want to win. But it is about bringing players through. And it isn't the be-all and end-all, the result. But we want to try and win because it's in us. Now, what we're trying to do is we're trying to progress to formulate this pathway of... This, Again, the golden ticket is seeing one of our own once again yeah. pulling on a Crystal Palace shirt yeah. in a Premier League game. Yeah. 
That's really difficult. Yeah. It's more difficult in a Premier League as it was when we saw 10 young people being blooded in the Championship. Yeah. Yeah. So we know the challenge is difficult. Now, success on how I see it is, yeah, can we? Let's try that. Let's try and get them in the in the first team squad. Let's try and get them over the road training with the first team. Let's try and get an under-18 playing for an under-23s team. Let's try and get a 15 or a 16-year-old playing for Paddy's group. That's success. Let's, if it doesn't happen to be in our colours, let's try and develop players that go and play for somebody else. Mm. Be footballers. Let's have relationships with other clubs in the Championship and Leagues 1 and 2 and the Conference where perhaps if they're not quite good enough for us, there's this exit strategy that we can still give these young players who we put a lot of time and effort into a career in the game. And that's, that's equally challenging as well. So actually, Steve Parrish, sorry, JD, Steve Parrish spoke to us on this pod that he he wasn't convinced that under 23 football was competitive enough and that he would his idea was he'd like to see the old reserve teams come back. Do you do you agree with that? Right. I'm going to put two hats on here. So when I was a manager at Notts County and at Cambridge, I used to get frustrated with certain 23 games because they didn't represent what a league 1 or a league 2 game looked like. Yeah. And your first loan, which is deemed a successful loan, is more often than not in Leagues 1 and Leagues 2. Yeah. So to have that understanding that who you're watching and what you're watching, you could put your faith in them to do a job for you, to keep you in a job, is a challenge in itself. Now, going back to what the chairman said there, would I want it to be like the old, you know, the combination league as it was? Um the game's moved on. Right. Yeah. The game's moved on. Yeah. It's as simple as that. We've got to now find a way of exposing these young players into kind of a philosophy to how we want to build a young Crystal Palace player to look like and to play like, but also to make him coachable enough to play slightly different if he goes on loan. Yeah. And he can play back to front and he can jump on second balls higher up the field and you know a centre half perhaps doesn't split out the back and he goes higher and he can pull his centre his centre midfielder in closer to him you know them kind of little tactical technical changes we've got to expose our players to that as well but also going back to developing players if we want players to go and play for the Palace first team of course but if they don't and they go somewhere else is it quite satisfying to see a player that you've coached and developed go and have a successful career in the Championship or somewhere else, even if it's not Palace? Well, absolutely, because, you know, if I look back at my time at Notts County, you know, when I was there, there was a 17-year-old, Jack Grealish, who wow. came to play wow. for, for, for Notts County. Yeah. You know, and thankfully, he was already in place from the previous manager, but, and absolutely thankfully, because... Without Jack, we would have been relegated. He was absolutely brilliant and so brave as a 17-year-old. He needed to go out and he needed to play and he needed to get that experience away from Aston Villa at that time. So for me, looking back, just if you could just impact somebody, yeah, yeah. just for 1%, whatever that 1% looks like, to then go and see somebody five, six, seven years further down the line being this top player is brilliant. And that applies to me now back at Crystal Palace. If he doesn't go and play for us in the first team or, as we often see, gets released and he has to go somewhere else, I'd still see a major satisfaction in him yeah, being a young pro yeah. and you know doing something that he's dreamed of from 
four, five, six years old, that'd be great. Can I say as well of impacting people? No, you guys want to know, but Sean and I are actually former teammates. Because <laughs> <laughs> we played one game together know, don't worry. in the Renf game 2016 yeah, down at the Amex. Yeah. AJ scored a late winner, 3 2 win. It was absolutely amazing. But Sean gave one of the best half time team oh, I've ever Travis witnessed to. I mean, my personal performance was terrible. I got put, <laughs> I got put a right back, which I don't normally play. And the left winger was an 18 year old who'd just been released by Brighton's Academy. <laughs> and he tore me to shreds. And thinking about Clint Hill earlier, I thought 10 minutes in, I'm going to kick him really hard and I'll get him. And I kicked him, gave away a free kick, and he get up, nutmeg me, run into the box. And I think he scored. <laughs> I remember it well. If um, yeah, I do remember that. Thanks, nutmeg. mate. Yeah. <laughs> that team talk was brilliant because Palace TV were filming it, and you first thing you said was turn off the cameras, and that but that set the tone for the team talk, and then you just gave this amazing team talk. It was brilliant. No, listen, it's is it a team talk or a bollocking? It was more sort of an inspirational. Right. I was sort of talking about thinking about why you're here, why you're wearing this shirt. You know. But again, it goes back to, we all dreamed about being footballers, didn't we? You know, your dreams would have been the same as mine, you know, thankfully, you know. and Like, again, you know, parents and my sacrifices and luck, because you need a little element of luck as well. Yeah. At the right time, you do the right things. But thankfully, I had a, a career and, and loved every moment of it. And to go back and not be a footballer, but still know what, being a footballer was all about and team talks and half times and kind of share an experience with people who probably had never seen that before. Yeah. And and there was a reason behind the game. Look, it was a proper game. It was against Brighton as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, well, yeah, because it's, it doesn't matter, does it? You pull on your colours and there's rivalry there. Yeah, but we, I play in it every year and yeah. every year the rivalry is still as intense as ever. Yeah, it's a, it's a good game and um, we wanted to win, didn't we? we and we, we were 2-0 we, we down. We were 2-0 down and we came back to win 3-2. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Would you play in that again? The yeah, I game? would, yeah. Without a doubt, I would. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it was a great game. It was. Maybe I'll get longer than half an hour <laughs> at right back. Um, well, look, Sean, this has been brilliant having you on. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being our special guest for our 300th no, it's podcast. It's great to have you back at Palace as well. And what does the future hold for you? Because full-time management again at some point or look, taking it as it comes? Of course, you know, I, I look at myself now as same as what I looked at myself as a 26-year-old, as a leader, you know. I, I do feel I've got that characteristics that we had some good moments at Notts County and some good moments at um, Cambridge um, and some difficult moments along the way and that is the life and times of a manager. But whilst I'm back at this role, you know, this is a different challenge for me now is because it's not first team, it's academy and it's development and I can't wait to really get my teeth into it and to you know to see the progress of the academy because I'm sure we'll see it I'm, I'm there's some good people you know and Dougie Dougie Friedman who's obviously the sporting director is so passionate about the academy he really is and I speak to him a lot about you know what his wishes and his desires are for the academy and you know when you've got people like that backing um, the challenge I think it's um, it's exciting and some more nights out at James Endicott. <laughs> Not like the one we went because <laughs> I won't wake up for about a week. <laughs> Can I actually, just before we go, I've, I forgot to put a, a couple of just not questions but statements from our listeners Michael Fogarty there's not a question for sure much to thank you for giving us an unbelievable day and night out in Sheffield albeit a little scary when they hear some London accents on a night out and Leif Anderson's forehead Hi, Leif. there's again not a question but can you please thank Sean I'll always be grateful for him and the other heroes in 2012 without them we wouldn't be where we are today yeah, that's yeah. lovely really appreciate that that's brilliant top man 
Well, that's it. Thank, Thank you very you, much for joining Cheers, us. Guys. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Wembo. After the break, we're going to preview Palace's trip to West Ham. Right, welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast. That was Sean Derry wow. on our 300th episode. <laughs> what a man. Wow, amazing. Wow. Uh, I, An absolute gentleman. Yeah. Gentleman. A couple of those stories are not uh, expecting. It's You know what? If a younger player simply wouldn't have been as open and honest as that yeah. because they're media trained to within an inch of their life. But I, I would go out on a limb here and say that's not only the best player interview we've had, but it's one of the best football interviews I've I've been involved with. I, I I can't remember hearing a footballer talk as passionately, yeah. as eloquently, as funnily as as he did. I was when he was talking about Hillsborough. Yeah, I'm generally welling up, really genuinely welling up. But even within the Hillsborough story, there's moments of real clarity, real humour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and absolutely. you forget as well what uh, Sean was with Palace in two different spells. The things he went through, the highs and lows he went oh, through, emotion, unbelievable, and, you know, and, just, and also the fact that he's on a Crystal Palace podcast, but you know, is more than happy to say I loved playing for Leeds. Yeah, oh, and yeah. I, you know, and I love putting on that white shirt. And, and when I was saying to him, it's, I mean, I was born and brought up very near Leeds, and I, yeah. you know, Leeds is a big club. It dominates that whole, yeah. d- dominates Yorkshire. Yeah, you know, and you can't dismiss it. And I think you know, he's 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 very proud of being a footballer. Yeah. I think that's what came across. Yeah, he's yeah. proud of being a footballer yeah. through Notts County and Cambridge and wherever he's been, QPR. We didn't really talk much about QPR, but he's very, very proud of Portsmouth, yeah. He's very proud of it. And I think that's well, just a really I, lovely I, thing. I, the, the Leeds thing, even without everything he says about Palace beforehand, mm. I don't think there's going to be anyone listening to that that would resent him saying that about Leeds. No, but, very surprised. But if you've heard what he says about Palace beforehand, you, you wouldn't, yeah. you simply wouldn't. And it makes me proud. And it's... I, I, that is again. You, people who listen to this regularly know how much I romanticise football and its place in working class culture. But yeah. that those teams he played for, those Palace teams, were working class teams. They yeah. felt they they, and that I don't think that as we've mentioned, I don't think there's ever been a bond between players and fans like that. No, there that, it, yeah, that administration team is special, wasn't and it, it felt and it was really it, good hearing his insight, Kev, as well. Yeah, how they're all yeah, yeah. young men on their own. Absolutely, that to me was one of yeah, the most yeah. insightful things that whole yeah. interview. But if there was no, it felt to me that team and meeting Sean properly. I mean, I've met him before; it's the first mm. time I listened to him like that. It just sort of confirms my suspicion that we all knew that team. There was no fancy dance in that team. They yeah. were they were blokes who drank in pubs like we do. Yeah. You know, they, Boy, they did were, we drink. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> some, but no, he's a fantastic interviewer and also his insight into into the academy and what makes a successful account. I think we're we're lucky to have him. Agreed. So, Sean, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. And it's great to have him back at the Absolutely. club. Yeah, definitely. Let's quickly round off Pod 300 with a preview of Palace's next game, which is away at West Ham, uh, the late kickoff on Saturday, James. Um, no Luca. Suspended no, after picking no. up his fifth yellow. Very funny enough, with we were uh, when I was at the game at the weekend. Um, one of the guys who stands by me um, left about sort of three or four minutes before the game because he has he's got quite a way to travel. Um, I said, "Well, there's obviously going to be a goal because you missed the Wolves goal last week." <laughs> he said, "Yeah, but at least Luca hasn't been booked." Uh, <laughs> But he actually got booked quite late on the game, yeah, didn't, yeah, right yeah. at the very end of the game. <laughs> at least Luca's not being booked, so he'll be available for next week. He was wrong. Yeah, it, Luca will will be a miss. Uh, Is this the first course. game he's missed this season? No, or ever, or ever. Yeah, because I think again, he's. I don't know. I think I don't he started know. every game. Or he's, 
No, he must have missed a couple, surely. I, that's a really good question. I, I don't know. But who, for you, Kevin, then, who who, who would you like well, to see Jay go in? Okay. No, no, well, just, two questions. I, who would you like to see go in and who do you think Roy will go in? Oh, McCarthy will go in. Yeah, McCarthy. I th- no, I think, it, I think it'll be Schlupp. I think he'll move Schlupp in the middle and play Townsend, which I personally I wouldn't go for. I'd, I'd yeah. play McCarthy. But I, would, I, think he'll, I, I think Roy will go for it. I think that's... Even for new radical Roy, I think that's... Run, new <laughs> radical Roy. I, I like that radical I think he'll Roy. go for a... Lightful. I think he will look to Kiati to do the main breaking yeah. up role and play. It's McCarthy. only because he hasn't started McCarthy yet, and we're playing at West Ham. We're playing well. That I, I don't think that's an indication. I, I think it's interesting. One of the things that Matt Rusnam says later on in his, in his articles about Camarasa, who, well, exactly. <laughs> but he he's talked about Roy takes quite a while to to embed players in, and I don't think McCarthy hasn't started because Roy doesn't rate him because he's not fit. It's just because Roy wants to take a good look at players. Mm. And get them used to the system before he starts. So I, I think, I think it'll be a like-for-like like replacement. But I think we'll see Kiate play a little bit deeper with McCarthy and McCarthy. In fact, I mean, this is, I think this is a really good it's litmus test. Be a brilliant, it's going to be, be a tough, tough, game. tough game. It, it's a tough game, but West Ham a bit. Well, this is a good litmus test for us because they're, you know, they're ahead of us in the table by a couple of points. But also, they've spent three hundred million quid more than we have. Yeah. On players, so you've got managers with two different, and he still said, uh, Pellegrini, that his squad lacks depth. It's well, he, and he was <laughs> so I, he was so angry last week as well at Bournemouth. And we we know a lot of people in football don't like Bournemouth, don't like their management team. There is an arrogance there and a certain attitude, and, and Pellegrini uh, really went to town on that afterwards. He had a massive row with their assistant manager, so he, they, they look like, they look beatable, West Ham. They're still every, at home. Their, their fans are waiting for them to make a mistake. They're, they're, yeah. It's not like the old Upton Park where they're behind them right from the start. It's like if they're an, they're not happy with their home. No, they're not still, at all. And, and these, well, you wouldn't be. These are famous last words, but I think twenty twenty five minutes in, and I I think we're on a level with West Ham. I don't think we should be going there thinking in the same way that we'd go to. No, I agree. Uh, even Old Trafford or, or yeah. Tottenham. I think we're on a level with them, and I think I'll be interested to see what the, the approach that Roy takes of this game but I'm quite pleased it's, it's going to be like the first proper winter game it'll be dark at half time yeah. you, know, you, like, you love winter I do but it's because <laughs> it's every it's, time it's, what, what, who wants to watch football in 85 degree heat me I love it shorts on I can't wait for the world sleeves rolled no, up but do you know what if I had my way you wouldn't get in the ground in shorts <laughs> I'd find a well, you know, what about I'd the players simply, Kev the players are fine. They're all right. But the, so I've know, got to find them on the bench. All those notices outside that say no weapons, no horns, no weapons. <laughs> no weapons. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no shorts. No shorts. <laughs> it really would. Right, OK. Uh, that's it for this week's, for, for the 300th podcast. Great. And what, you know what? And what a great way to celebrate 300. That's fantastic, Sean. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm, that, that, yeah. that, that chat will live with me for a while. It will. And not yeah, just right. Sean, but thank you guys as well. You guys have been part of the pod journey for the last seven or eight years. As I'd well, like to thank so. you for the whole journey. <laughs> if it wasn't for you, that's true. There, w- there wouldn't be any pods. Well, if we're doing that, let's thank JD Senior then, because it wasn't yeah, for him. him then be no, very be true. No JD. Very true. And it's been, <laughs> I, I also think we should give an honourable mention, mention to uh, the streets as well. We miss, yeah. we miss Andy Street. We do, we miss do. Yeah. There was a reason why he's not here, but we, yeah, he will be back, but we he miss will, him. Hopefully. Uh, I can honestly say, JD, it's part of the week I look forward to most. It's, it's a, it's a consolation when we lose and it's a double victory when we when we win and also getting to know people through the pod you know people like uh, Grey Jogging Bottom is our friend Akos in, yeah. in Hungary Miko in Finland mm-hmm. all the people from around the world that the night before the cup final it's just we're the best fans in the world and it's been a pleasure 
talking to, to and just and yeah, you guys. <laughs> you guys. That's lovely. So. If you could put that in a review on iTunes. <laughs> Great, but then put, put a brilliant review in them three stars. <laughs> he reads like a four. I don't understand. He reads like, he reads like a four. Right, the, that's the comedian's lament. It reads like a four. I don't understand it. Uh, thank you very much, lads. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Sean for being our guest this week. The extra pod will be with you for patrons after West Ham uh, on Saturday, and we'll be back next week with pod 301. Here's to the next 300. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. Bye. Podcast Network.